0: and welcome to the Royals Rundown Podcast presented by Royals Review. If you want to keep up to date on all things Kansas City Royals, whether it be the Hall of Fame news, analysis, rumors, anything under the sun, you got to go check out RoyalsReview.com. You can also find them on Facebook and X at Royals Review. I am Jacob Elham, joined as always by my illustrious co-host, Jeremy Greco, the blue-haired man. Jeremy, how are we doing tonight, man?
1: Jacob, I need you to understand. Oh, oh my. That when I embed a Twitter link, it it coming from Twitter <laughs> gives itself a header that says X, formerly Twitter. Because they even know that no one calls it X. No one is going to call it X except for you and Elon Musk. And do you really want to be like Elon Musk? I, I guess I guess I'm just licking the boot over here, aren't I? Uh, <laughs> oh my
0: goodness! I, yeah. So
1: that that I have this vivid memory of watching. I think it was from the 70s. It might have been the 80s. Mm-hmm. This mini series called V, which is about an alien invasion, and it was also an allegory for uh, Nazism and and all that good stuff. Oh, as science fiction often is. Yeah. Um, and, and one of the things. That was involved in that show was this guy who was a collaborator with the aliens who were invading the Earth, making an old Jewish man who had survived World War II because they really wanted to drive this point home. Uh, this old Jewish man who had survived World War II made him lick his boot. Um, <laughs> so they they were like symbolism what if what if we were just extremely explicit about this yeah that's what we call heavy handedness we don't there there need be no questions asked once we're done with this scene you know what we're saying
0: yeah that is uh that point was made nice and clear by that by that imagery Hey, listen. We're we're not here to talk about aliens and all and all that jazz. As Probably much not. as I like to talk about aliens and I, conspiracy theories, my whole
1: <laughs> all my notes are about aliens today. I'm oh, in man. trouble. Oh yikes!
0: Yeah, so this this is a little awkward. But hey, listen. We got a lot of things to run down today. First, who are the Royals uh, offering contracts to? We are about we're a little less than a month out Woo. from when spring training action starts. Not just pitchers and catchers report when action starts and also we got to talk about the jackson county stadium update and we continue our off-season series of ranking the depth or making our own depth charts excuse me for each royals position jeremy i i don't before we get to our relief pitchers today on the depth chart yeah could you could you explain the next chapter of right, our so
1: depth chart next week We're going to do infielders and I kind of made the executive decision and you, you went along with it Mm -hmm. that what we're going to do is we're going to kind of, I think we both agree on who the five starters are on the, are on the infield, including the catcher. Maybe we differ at second base. I would be very surprised if we differ anywhere else. Um, And then, so once we do that, I said, let's come up with 10 guys who are somewhere on the infield, including um, at least two more catchers, mm-hmm. uh, because there's a lot of guys, for example, Devin Mann, I expect to kind of both be on both of our lists, Nick Lofton yep. to be on both of our lists. What position do those guys play? <laughs> I I couldn't tell you. you do. Yeah. <laughs> I couldn't tell you. Exactly. So I said, let's, let's, we'll define our starters. And then we'll say everybody else is infield depth yeah. of some sort. Mm-hmm. And, and we wanted at least three catchers because I think the first two are obvious. So at least that forces us to dig just a little bit a little for bit that deep. third catcher.
0: Yeah, I like it. I like it. So that will be coming at you next week. But you listeners out there won't have to wait much longer for us to get back to two podcast episodes a week. Um, Jeremy and I will be picking back up with episodes on Monday's and thursdays once again that is our you know that's our usual drum beat that's our normal during the season drum beat um that will be on the let's see here the week of the 19th is what i'm looking at jeremy so monday mm. the 19th will be an episode and then um thursday the 22nd will be another episode
1: mm.
0: fun stuff fun stuff but hey mm-hmm. let's go ahead and uh let's keep the news rolling so the Royals, it was yesterday, so Tuesday, I I do know my days of the week. <laughs> hey, on Tuesday, the Royals announced that they have agreed to terms on 2024 contracts with a handful of players. Um fans fans should know all these names. Um they listed off Daniel Lynch the Fourth, Kyle Isbell, Vinny Pasquantino, Michael Massey, Alec Marsh, John McMillan. Tyler Gentry, Will Klein, and Matt Sauer. Now, Jeremy, there are there are a lot of names omitted from that list. Yeah, um, such as Bobby Wood Jr. stands out, Michael Garcia, MJ Melendez, the like. So there's a there's still some negotiations going on behind behind closed doors. It seems. uh I
1: guess so. Sure. <laughs> I, it's gonna amount to a couple hundred thousand dollars one yeah. way or the other uh in total not per player most likely so <laughs> maybe hey. bobby witt jr could make a case i think mostly bobby witt jr's best option if he wants to make more money in 2024 is going to be signing some sort of extension Correct. um but i i don't know how likely or not likely that is to happen it's um him
0: not being on the list is hold- Giving me some sort of hope that they sign him to an extension before the season begins. Yeah, and that would that would be a great way to start off the season, in my yeah. opinion, Jeremy.
1: Yeah. I, the okay. news. Like you said, uh once once he signs, if he signs a, a one year deal for this year, signs to his contract for this year, um, which the Royals would retain control over him, but it would mm-hmm. be just like for because with the rookie deals. He would what they're signing is if he signs he signs a guaranteed contract for this year, it doesn't guarantee him any money next year. Right. They could just cut him at that point. Um, so that's it's kinda a little bit complicated in that the Royals it, the Royals basically kind of have team options on their mm-hmm. rookies. Um and so that was kind of where I was going with that. But yeah, so if he signs that then then I would think that the extension is not happening anytime soon.
0: Yep, and that would be very frustrating. But we'll just we'll just keep tabs on it. That's all we can do. Speaking of keeping tabs, there was a big update in the Jackson County Legislature this past week. Woo! They overrode County Executive. I keep on calling him County Commissioner because that's why I am used to. Apparently, he's County Executive and Royals Hall of Famer Frank White. He vetoed their uh, their motion. Let's see. It was last week now. To put the 3.8 sales tax extension on the ballot. Jackson County legislature came back and overrode that veto. Um, and they are putting the stadium sales tax measure before voters in April. April 2nd is the date that we are hearing so far. Jeremy, I, I don't know about you, but I am I am pleased by how how this all played out after Frank White's veto because we were we were hearing Early on, that hey, the veto is going to stand. They don't have the votes for it. Things like that, and then come back when, you know, when they got to put where their money where their mouth is. It was a seven to two vote to override his veto. Like that's a that's a big swing on such a small legislature. What do you think?
1: I, I don't know. It's it's all just been such a giant mess. I'm glad to be moving on to the next step and hopefully getting this done with soon. I. I do want to kind of walk back a little bit to last week's episode when we were like, Oh, what is Frank white doing? Blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. He wants $25 million. And then we, we got some more news kind of after we recorded that. Um, And so Frank white's issues didn't seem quite so crazy Mm -hmm. um, once we saw those kind of laid out. So I did want to walk that back a little bit and be like, okay, you know, uh, this is what happens kind of when you're trying to react to the news on a schedule and, and we weren't, we weren't ready. We, we have to record when we have to record. Correct. Um, at some point we have to say, well, we've got all the information we're going to have for now and then we'll come back later. So we're coming back later. And I'm saying, I, I changed my mind. I actually think the veto was a good idea. I was looking, I know that at least two people said they were going to make statements about why they were deciding to override the veto veto. Mm-hmm. And I, I didn't see those, um, so I was curious as to what changed their minds on that. But, uh, you know, hopefully this stuff is all going to get worked out eventually. And I, I Frank White's issues, I think, were legitimate. I also think that just because the veto got overridden doesn't mean that they don't get addressed. Like, the mm-hmm. big one for me was the uh, enforceable community benefits agreement. Yes, um, and that could that absolutely could and should still happen. Maybe they have a little bit less negotiating leverage without the county to kind of back their back their play for whatever that ends up looking like. But, um, you know, so it, all hope is not lost for those of you who are like, Man, I really wish. Frank White had gotten what he was looking for there. And of course, I know a lot of you have, uh, I I don't live in Jackson County, so I don't know much about his politics. Again, I think I've said this before, outside of the stadium stuff. And I know a lot of people have a lot of issues with him and I I get it. That's great. I don't, I don't have anything I can add to that. Um, So if his veto getting overridden made you happy just because it was a Frank White loss, cool. Yeah, it's I'm I'm very
0: much over over all this right now. I'm just keeping, I'm just talking about and keeping tabs on it because like we like we have to. It's a it's a big enough thing where we need to keep tabs on it. You know, where we're talking about, I I could never have imagined the Royals leaving Kauffman Stadium. And I know I know sports teams get new stadiums all the time, but that's just how it hasn't gone in Kansas Mm -hmm. City. It's always been Arrowhead and Kauffman. So this is really a historic thing. Well, it's except for just, when it was municipal. True, true. But uh, I I don't think my parents, I don't think my parents were even born um, when they left
1: municipal. <laughs> That's because you're a baby.
0: Yes, I am a baby. I am absolutely a baby on that. So that is, it's however you want to take it, positive, negative, whatever. It's still st- the next step. At least uh,
1: uh, as I said, I think I said last week and probably the week before I'm just ready to be done with this. Let's move yeah. on. Yeah. So, and that's what's happening. Exactly.
0: Well, and we are, uh, we are going to move on and the <laughs> podcast episode and it is. So last week we did the depth at starting pitcher. Yep. Um, a lot of the, we agreed on a lot of the names, the rankings did differ a lot, mm-hmm. um, but we ranked out the top 10 depth options in the, uh, in the Royals organization and if you can give me a moment here I forgot to pull up our responses from Spotify podcasts. Oh yeah, you better do that. I know, right. Well, I I think about that because I asked folks in our Spotify exclusive poll grade the Royals organizational depth at starter because that's it's been a really shaky spot for years and years In the Kansas City Royals organization, and we got at least 2015. Yeah, at the at the very least, and you could blame bad drafting and bad bad development on that. But we got a bevy of responses on that poll. Twenty two percent of voters said they gave it an A. Eleven percent a B, but most of most of our respondents, sixty six percent, gave him a C or a D.
1: Those two were were tied down there. So. Not, Not really a, sure how you look at this rotation and this pitching depth, and you give it a D. Yeah, like a C. <clears throat> excuse me, an A doesn't make a lot of sense to me either. Um, a B minus or any anywhere from a B minus to a C, I think makes sense. Yeah,
0: I agree. I agree. And then also on Spotify, you can respond to our Q and A's, and we read your responses on air in the following episode. So we asked y'all, is there any starter you want to see move to the bullpen next season? There's a, there's a lot of like the number four, number five spots kind of feel up for grabs. Uh, we listed off Lyles, Lynch, even Singer as possible bullpen candidates at some point. Royal Rupert said no guaranteed spot for the fourth and fifth starter. Give me a battle royale for the last two spots. Everyone else to the bullpen and minors. Listen, I, I think that's a very apt response considering WWE's Royal Rumble is this weekend. So it's a, it's an over-the-top rope battle royale who's actually going to be uh, in the majors for the Royals this year. And then Luke5747 says, Lyle seems like the perfect answer. He can pitch long innings anytime the game is out of control or piggyback on an opener. It might actually make people not ignore his starts and his starts being dumb. Um, I think I think dumb is a is a pretty one word. It's, it's pretty appropriate to put up Lyle's yeah. 2023 season, right? Jeremy? Yeah. <laughs> I think that that fits. It certainly does. It certainly does. And on this episode that you're listening to. Go check it out on Spotify. Game Day internship with the Omaha Storm
1: Chasers is the perfect opportunity for a college student interested in exploring a career in the sports industry. Storm Chasers interns have the chance to work in almost every aspect of game day and event operations at Warner Park while gaining knowledge about the inner workings of minor league baseball. There's no better way to learn and grow while discovering your passions and goals than becoming a part of our Chasers family. To learn more about internship opportunities with the Storm Chasers, head to Omaha. OmahaStormChasers.com, or email Ania Tate, A-N-I-Y-A-T, at OmahaStormChasers.com. Everyone get on your feet, stir up the storm, family. Baseball season is on its way, and there's no better place to spend the summer than with the Quad Cities River Bandits. From the Royals' top prospects on the field to a jam-packed promotional schedule, the fun never stops at Modern Woodman Park. Can't miss any of the action? Ticket packages are on sale now. With full season plans starting at less than $5 per game, season ticket holders enjoy premium perks, including guaranteed giveaways, team store discounts, a full season parking pass, and so much more. For more information, visit RiverBandits.com or call 563-324-3000
0: so we can hear from you and interact with you further. We are going to keep our rankings going with relievers this time. Now, for starters, we did go um, 10 deep, and we are going 15 deep on the infielders. We, we went 15 deep on the, uh, on the relievers as well because there's a, there's a lot of relievers on this 40-man roster. There's a lot of battles that are going to be had. And while we did have... A lot of the same names. We uh, we had some pretty big changes in rankings. So sure Jeremy, why don't you go and start us off? Who is your
1: number one? All right. So my number one is the presumed closer, uh, the closer presumptive, Will Smith. Uh, and of course, uh, the rapper. Do... No, no, not the, the, the movie the, mogul. Not... Huh? The movie mogul. The Fresh, no. The Fresh Prince. The Fresh Prince? No slap artist no oh okay and not not your friend down the street not (laughs) the dodgers uh position player i can't remember if he's a center fielder or a catcher uh i think he's a catcher i couldn't (laughs) remember either (laughs) uh no the left-handed reliever who's gone to the world series three years and won the world series three years in a row with three different teams i believe Mm -hmm. uh so if you want you could believe that that bodes well for the royals of course, you could also assume that he gets traded at the <laughs> uh, at the deadline to whoever's yeah. going to win the World Series. Um, and of course, you came with the what I guess would be the erstwhile closer, uh, James yeah. MacArthur.
0: Yes, I did. So listen, I don't think there's anyone who's risen their stock more since their Royals debut than James MacArthur. Everyone remembers his atrocious debut. Like it was really, really bad. But yep. At the at the end of it all, to close out September, he was he was the Royals' best reliever. Um, he has the he has the tools and the arsenal that it seems like Brian Sweeney and his crew are leaning towards. So I am between with his age and with his lack of mileage, I guess is the word on his arm. I am looking at him as the eventual closer. I do think that Will Smith gets the most save opportunities for these Royals. Um, but I am curious to see how that, uh, how that plays out. So we, we had, we just had them switched. Honestly, yeah. you had Will Smith um, first and James MacArthur second. I had James MacArthur second and Will Smith second. Is there anything else that you want to say on either one of those two?
1: Yeah. Um, I, I just went with Will Smith uh, just because of kind of the pedigree and the fact that I expect him to start the year as the closer, yeah. Um, I think James MacArthur as the number one guy makes a lot of sense. Um, I just don't think he's going to get quite as high leverage opportunities as I expect Will Smith to get early on. And so if the Royals are going to be good in 2024, it's probably going to have to start with Will Smith being good mm-hmm. um, or else they might find themselves in a hole early on. Yeah, that is.
0: And lo- looking back on it, as bad as the bats were to start off 2023 the bullpen was a was a close second and the bullpen took them out of a lot of games so we we talked about that with zimborski on um, the episode from a couple weeks ago like the negative war projection for the royals before all these free agent and trade acquisitions yeah it was going to be pretty ugly um in the major league bullpen so keeping going on the rankings I put Nick Anderson number three on my mm-hmm. rankings. Uh, he was he was one of the players that the Royals traded for from the Atlanta Braves. Mm-hmm. Um, they avoid our so he is arbitration eligible. Um, they signed him to a one year one point five seven five million dollar contract, and honestly, he was really good last year for for Atlanta. He is thirty two, so. It's not like he's a he's a spring chicken or nothing, but coming from the Tampa Bay Rays organization, going to the to the Braves, excuse me, he, he put up some pretty good numbers, so I'm expecting big things from him in
1: 2024. Who did you have number three? I've got uh, Chris Stratton. Now uh, the reason, Yeah, the reason I put Chris Stratton ahead of. Uh, Nick Anderson is mm-hmm. health. Nick okay. Anderson has been very good, but he's, he's struggled with health. Um, and, and again, Stratton's getting paid more, as you yeah, noted, I think it's about a million and a half for Anderson Stratton's getting, I think four and a half or might not be that much, but it's more than one and a half. Exactly. so Well, more. Yeah. So they're, they're paying him more. So I, again, expect him to be in higher leverage situations if the Royals are going to be good. Is all the stuff that I just said about Will Smith.
0: Yeah. Uh, an interesting tidbit about Chris Stratton. He has not had a negative F war season since his debut season. He's always been an above replacement level reliever. Um, yeah. he, he has he has bounced around between his fair share of teams, but he did have a career year. In it's kind of a thing
1: relievers do.
0: Yeah. It's listen, re- relief arms, whether it be trades, waivers, this free outright free agency, they bounce around a, a good amount. Um, and he's, he's no different. He has been in the league for quite a while. He's going to be 33 this year, um, but he's coming off a 3.53 FIP, 3.92 ERA season with the... Who, who was he? With? He was with the Rangers. He was with the Rangers last year. Well, he, he was with the Cardinals and then the Rangers. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So... Yeah, it's it's hard to it's hard to knock Chris Stratton, and I did have him as my number four option as well. And I'd echo many of your sentiments
1: regarding him. Who is who is your number four? So that's when I came with John McMillan. Oh yeah, who uh, I think a lot of people are expecting a lot from. Um, again, I just kind of put him below the other three just because he had that really impressive debut, couple of outings, and then he was hurt for the rest of the year. So we just haven't seen enough of him at the big league level to know, you know, is he going to stick or not? I predicted that he would make the opening day roster. I, I did my roster projection on Royals review last weekend. Um, so I think he's going to make the opening day roster. I think he's going to be valuable, but you know, I got to, I got to put guys in places and so he ends up being my fourth guy
0: yeah and it's i think his only knock is we we only saw him for four innings last year right like it's not like we got a good look at his sample size but honestly it was i think it was the second batter up in his mlb debut he gave up a home run and and that was it that was the only run that was the only hit that he gave up he had four one inning appearances no walks two strikeouts in each one like he w- he looked every bit of a major league reliever in those four innings. And I think we are expecting a lot of things from him. People do forget he's, he is going to be, I think he's going to be 26 on the, on the, when opening day comes, excuse me. People point at where he started at last year. So low in the minor league system. He started in low A and made his MLB debut in the same year, which is impressive. The, the guy's been cooking for a, for a minute now. He's just, been, he's just been injured. He was a part of that 2020 draft class, which got affected by the lost COVID season and things like that. So John McMillan is going to be a guy to watch in 2024. And yeah, I had him after Chris Stratton. So the, the number five guy, which I think, in my opinion, the Royals will go with a closer by committee approach to start off the year. That puts him on the fringes of that committee. I I feel like. Um, I talked to him. I want to say it was earlier this month. I talked to John McMillan um, for an interview on Kings of Kaufman, and he said that that he was doing that he was doing good. He got shut down after some forearm tightness. That's not bothering him anymore. Um, and yeah, it sounds like he's ready to go for
1: twenty twenty four.
0: So looking forward to him,
1: man. Yeah. So you had him at number five and then yep. uh, my number five, then I, and this might be a little bit of a stretch, uh, but I went ahead and put Will Klein, who I think is the number one guy in the minor leagues for the Royals this year. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, as far as relief pitchers go, he was in AAA last year. He pitched in the futures game. He is very close to ready to go. If not already there. Yeah. Um, I don't, again expect him to crack the opening day roster simply because well they just added three veterans and those guys kind of have guaranteed spots. Mm-hmm. You have MacArthur and McMillan who've already debuted. You have a few other guys who've already debuted. So he's he's somebody's going to have to falter and he's going to have to pitch lights out if he's going to make the roster out of spring training. But if he doesn't pitch for the big league team this year, I would be just absolutely flabbergasted they added him to the 40-man roster over the offseason to make sure he didn't get picked up in the rule five draft and uh i just i i think that he's got a bright future ahead of him and and i i was very i get, i got a little overexcited maybe so i put him a little <laughs> too high maybe but that's why he's there well yeah and i'll um
0: i'll i'll talk about my quote unquote concerns regarding willa klein when i get to him in my rankings okay but i do i do think the five spot for him is a great ceiling in twenty twenty four. I think he has the stuff to be, you know, a great setup guy in the MLB roster. But I'll talk about more of those concerns later on. Um, this this might sound a little a little hypocritical as I talk about the concerns of Will Klein, but I do have Carlos Hernandez as my as my number six guy. Mm-hmm. Um, most of that is buoyed off of you know when he looked really really good in 2023 he was really really good like it was i i don't disagree that the royals should have traded him at the trade deadline when they had the chance um he he regressed down the stretch he faltered a lot i don't know if that was mental or physical i want to say with how quickly it happened you want to say something you know mentally slipped if uh if i do have to give an opinion on that but i think he still he still has some of the best stuff in this bullpen um he just has to he just has to work on harnessing it a little bit more so that's probably his ceiling um rather than his floor but i'm interested to see what carlos hernandez does in uh, 2024
1: who do you have in your number six spot i for my number six, I've got Nick Anderson. that's where I put him. okay. Uh, because of the effectiveness. I didn't want to put him any lower because of the injuries. I didn't want to put him any higher.
0: Got it. Got it. makes sense. And then number seven, you put
1: Carlos Hernandez. yep and and it's funny because I I don't again don't have him cracking the opening day roster uh, just because I oh, yeah. I feel like the, the the there's two guys lower than him that I do have or three guys lower than him that I do have in that roster. Uh, one of them is, is going to be Matt Sauer, who's the rule five pick. And then Mm -hmm. I've got two lefties and I think the Royals are going to want at least two lefties in that bullpen. Um, so that's kind of why I think he might start the year in AAA also because he did struggle at the end of last year and whether it was mental or physical might be nice to give him kind of a reset at AAA, but I do think he has a chance to compete for uh, an opening day roster spot. And I think if he does go to the minor leagues, he might. I'll say he probably would be the first guy up in case of injury or, um, you know, they like to, and every team does this, but especially the Royals, we know, cause we watch them like to shuttle guys back and forth between yeah. the minor leagues and the big leagues to keep the bullpen fairly well rested. And so um, if he goes to the minors, he'll be one of those guys. And, and actually if he opens the year on the big league roster, I would expect him to be a guy who goes down sometimes to get somebody else up just because he's got those options
0: yeah that and that absolutely makes sense um moving on with the list he was my number seven your number eight um i put steven cruz there and you you have cruz making the opening day roster is that correct no no okay so I listen. There's a lot to like about Cruz. There's a lot of shortcomings in his game as well. Um, he did make his MLB debut last year. He had ten appearances, four starts, mostly as a as an opener, if I recall correctly. Mm-hmm. Um, the The strikeout stuff was there. the The control issues were also there. So that's not too great. And he also he did struggle in AAA last year. So I'm not completely sold on. You know he's just going to come into twenty twenty four and be and be great. But what has value in MLB in the bullpen is stuff and like what do you do at an elite rate? And Steven Cruz, I it's a toss up for me between him and Will Klein having the best fastball in the Royal system right now. Um, Fangraphs gives his fastball seventy grade on a on an eighty scale so that's uh that's pretty hard to beat jeremy
1: yeah Um, absolutely what what do you think on cruise man i think like you said the stuff is there he's just again like you also said he has the control issues he also didn't pitch a lot at the big league level last year though and he's also a guy that did kind of have a rocky couple first outings uh but then settled in um for his last couple outings so uh, I think there's some potential there. I see a lot of Carlos Hernandez and how I expect him to kind of be used where mm-hmm. he kind of loses the roster battle because he can be demoted yeah. and because he's not a lefty. Yeah, that's
0: that's absolutely true. There's a lot of right-handed fireballers in this bullpen right now. So Cruz is at your number eight. He is at my number seven. Going down to my number eight is your good friend Josh Taylor, <laughs> um, who – also, if I recall correctly, I don't think Taylor has no Josh Taylor does have two MLB options remaining. So there is some flexibility there Um, that my ranking of him assumes that he is healthy and ready to mm-hmm. go for 2024. We have not gotten an update on that. But man, it is uh it's hard to disagree with his thirty one point three percent strikeout rate as a right. reliever.
1: Um, I'm really hoping that he can hit the ground running in twenty twenty four. Yep. And so, so he's your number eight. My number eight is Steven Cruz. Yep. Um and then my number nine is also your number nine. It's the first time we agree. I know, right? On this whole list. <laughs> yeah. We both have Jake Brent's number nine. Mm-hmm.
0: And I wanna you, you talked about them having lefties in the bullpen and that kind of being a a staple, but also similar to Taylor, Brent's has health issues. We haven't seen him yeah. in a in a long time. Um, What
1: put him at number nine for you? Uh, Just because. Holy crap, I picked eight right handed pitchers to start the, <laughs> to start this. I got to pick a lefty. He's the best lefty they've got right now. Yeah, um, I trust him just a tiny bit more than uh, than Josh Taylor, who does come in one step below, because I do think. That um, Josh Taylor has had a variety of injuries, whereas uh, Brent's had the one Tommy John surgery that has just taken a long time to come back from. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so hopefully when Jake Brents comes back, that's it. He's good now. Um, whereas Josh Taylor, I even even if he's ready to go at the beginning of the year, I don't really trust his health to hold out um so so that's kind of why that order went in there plus it's hard to argue with a hundred from the left side right oh yeah it it
0: really is and i think i think fans understandably forget how good jake brents was in his debut he made his debut back in 2021 and he was at at that time it was alongside barlow and stalmont but he was like the setup guy for for those two um, a 3.66 ERA with a 4.23 FIP. Um, he just had some great, great strikeout stuff. A wicked fastball. And I had, I just don't know. He he suffered a lat strain in late August when he was trying to make some rehab appearances. So I we haven't gotten a good look to see if that velocity is back in his arm. And I'm going to be watching him closely during spring training. But yeah, that was, that was the
1: first time we agreed on this whole list at number nine. with Jason, Yeah. Right? And my, I think you're ranking two probably, but mine does, you know, hinge on him being healthy yeah. and being able to hit, uh, 100, you know, mm-hmm. um, if he's down to like 95 and completely changes his repertoire, then then maybe he doesn't deserve to be ranked this high. Agreed. Agreed. So
0: let's see here. Let's Go ahead and hear your – who's at your number 10?
1: So I at number 10, I've got Josh Taylor, um, who we've already talked about, and I <laughs> yep. just put him this low because of the health stuff primarily. Uh, they, I mean, the performance wasn't good last year, but he barely pitched in two years with a variety of injuries, like we mentioned. The strikeouts are there, which is why he is still on this list, and he's he's not any lower than he is. Right. Um, he's still ahead of some people. Uh <laughs> So I – I hope he succeeds. I know I've spent the whole offseason ragging on him, and I have also, just for the record, walked that back a bit once I yes, realized I had completely whiffed on the strikeout rates and how good they were. Um, so here's hoping that the strikeouts stick around and the walks and the home runs go away and he becomes a very effective reliever for the Royals. Yes, here here's hoping on that one. So and getting down... Where- where this is where you've got, at number 10, Will Klein. Yes,
0: yeah, so this is, I put him closer to
1: the floor
0: that I foresee him, so he's got a lot of, he's got a lot of variance for uh, for me. I could have made the case to put him as high as, as 5, which you did, but I want to say that 10 is a little bit closer. You already talked about his roster flexibility, if you will, how he has a whole lot of options remaining, and the Royals can move him around a lot. The the walks are still a still a big concern for me. They they really are um I remember dang it was it was 2021 now. that first season that he came on. I'm pulling up his stats right now, but yeah, he had a 15 point 48 K over 9 which is just insane and then he followed that up next year still with an 11 K over 9 but his walks spiked 10.5 over 9. <laughs> like it's been and those issues kind of popped up again in AAA. He had 12.6 K over nine with a 6.43 walks over nine. So if, if you're striking out folks at that rate, I feel like that is a acceptable ratio at the minor league level, but I'm concerned, okay, are they going to take more more advantage of his control issues they being opposing batters um i i want to see him get some more seasoning at the triple a level he didn't even spend all of last year in omaha so i love him i think that he is going to be a very very good arm out of the bullpen just think he needs a little bit more time before we can rely on him you know yeah absolutely and let's see did we you know what we agreed again on number of the 11. second and final time yes <laughs> second and final time emphasis on and there uh, matt Sauer, you already talked about how he was the rule five draft pickup so he does have to stay on the 26 man roster um or there's some there's some rules where he could go back to the his former team and things like that but what do you what do you like about Sauer out of the bullpen or what are your concerns?
1: So you know I I like that uh a lot of people like him uh <laughs> yeah <laughs> i i i like that the royals kind of identified their guy they went out and got him they said we think he's gonna do good things um he's he's got an incredible strikeout rate uh in the minors though he's only pitched as high as double a mm-hmm. um but almost always double digits his first few years when he's 18 19 20 he hadn't got there but uh once he hit 22 uh, Cause we did miss Oof. that 2020 uh, minor league season yep. double digit strikeouts per nine all the time, um, including, well, that was only in one outing. He did have a 22.5 K <laughs> per nine. Cause he struck out a bunch of guys there uh, in that two inning appearance in a plus in 2023, high a, as they call it other mm-hmm. places. Um, I, I put him not any higher than I did because Hey, he was available in the rule five draft. Yeah. Usually guys that are available there, there's a reason for it. Um, If he were a surefire, no doubt guy, he would be on the 40 man roster of the Yankees. Uh, So, which is the team the Royals claimed him from. So, you know, it's it's one of those, it's like, can the Royals find something with him and and make him succeed as they did with MacArthur? It seems as they did with uh, Cole Reagan's, or is he gonna be a guy that hangs out for a little while and go, well, and then work, uh, have fun in New York?
0: It's, it's hard to fault the Royals for, for at least trying on this. I, I was surprised that his frame is very similar to what the Royals are looking for in their new pickups. He's 6'4", 230. Um, and boy. that is these the Royals are pivoting away from the guys built like Max Castillo. And looking more for, you know, these bigger, bigger body, taller relievers. And I do want to point out he was he was a starter in the Yankees system. Yeah. He Wasn't wasn't a reliever. So we don't have a whole lot of data on how he does in short inning appearances. Um, but like you said, as a well, starter, strikeout you, rates as a starter. Yeah, are, are very interesting. So I'm, I'm looking forward to getting some good data on him out of the bullpen and I, I want to see a little bit more about his pitch arsenal. Um, my understanding is he he has pretty immaculate control at times when he's on and he's just got a good fastball slider change up arsenal. So yeah. It's good to see what, what he does there. Um, moving on to number 12, I have Angel Serpa. Um, I've talked about Zerpa before on the podcast, I'm just not super high on him anymore. I don't think the stuff is there, and I don't think his control is good enough to keep him on a major league roster. He is still on the 40-man roster, but I wouldn't be surprised if, let's say the Royals make a trade or they want to go out and sign another free agent. I wouldn't be surprised to see them move on from Zarepa. Um, but it is hard to ignore that he is still – very very young i'm trying to find his his age here real quick he's still 24 made his debut back in 21 so it's he's got a lot of control like financial control excuse me but i'm just not high on him anymore um number 12 you have austin cox
1: yeah and and austin is a guy who would be higher if he was healthy yeah he's not right now uh probably will not be healthy to start the year um, it's funny, you, you actually have Cox one step lower and I have Zerpo one step lower. Yeah. And and I think that's because they're kind of interchangeable at this point where like neither one of them really belong on the roster at the beginning of the year. Cox, because he's injured. Zerpo, mm-hmm. because he just said he doesn't have the stuff, he doesn't have the control. Um, I know that a lot of people were just in love with him after he made his debut. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I'll admit, I was impressed. I was ready to see more of him and then he got hurt. Um, and, and it, but- It's it's not been good since the debut. It is not. Um he did have a couple more he had three more games in 2022. Um, but he was he was very mediocre in 2023. Actually his control looks pretty good. He only had 1.69 walks
0: Let me yeah, let let me go and walk that walk that back a little bit. Walk ha ha. ha. Um,
1: Um But yeah, go ahead. But the strikeouts aren't there, the stuff isn't there. I mean his fastball. On the 80 grade scale, according to FanGraphs, they think it's a 40, so below average yeah. fastball. It's really hard to succeed with a below average fastball. Um, I just, and Austin Cox had some level of success last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think when he is healthy, we can expect him to at least be a reasonable middle reliever. I'm not sure Angel Zerpa brings that anymore. So yeah. that, that's kind of where I'm at with those two guys. I, I don't
0: disagree with, with any of those points. I do think Cox will probably end up having more value long-term because he is a lefty out of the bullpen. He, does, he was a career st- starter in the minor league system, so he can be a long relief guy. The Royals did have him on the non-roster invite list, mm-hmm. um, which I thought was interesting. I, it, it seems like a really fast recovery if yeah. he would already be ready to go in spring training
1: after tearing his ACL, maybe he's got some of those Mahomes Salvi genes where he maybe just so instantly heals. Yeah, maybe so. That now, X Factor. He, he just has it. Okay, he just has it. <laughs> I, I meant like the mutant X Factor, oh, like oh, Wolverine. That, but that. yeah, yeah, that that's that too. <laughs> <laughs> Whoops. Awkward healing factor. That's yes. that's what I was thinking of.
0: Um. But yeah, honestly, Cox was a pretty big surprise last year. I I thought that healthy he was going to head into 2024 and compete for that number 5 um spot starter kind of role in the Royals rotation. I don't think that as much anymore after they added two free agent arms. I, I, do I don't agree.
1: I don't think Austin Cox is is a starter anymore. I think he I think he settled into that reliever role and I think that's where he's going to be for the foreseeable future unless some other team gets their hands on him and is like, we think we can we can up your stuff. Some yeah. his stuff his stuff just isn't there for the for the rotation.
0: No, it uh it really isn't. So let's let's go ahead and get down to 14 and 15 where we both had two different players. We, um, we went
1: completely different directions.
0: Yeah, we, we really did. Who was your number 14 and why?
1: So I went with all <clears throat> excuse me Walter Pennington, okay? Who is a reliever in AAA um and, and I just kind of went with him cuz I was like, well, who's who's close? <laughs> yeah. Who, who could pitch in the big leagues next year? Um and, and he's he's the guy I think after Will Klein that makes a lot of sense. He's le- another lefty, 6'2", 205. Um Fangraphs doesn't have anything on him. Nothing. Uh, <laughs> So he, he does strike out some guys. He's not unreasonable last year for triple a, um, he pitched the whole, no, not the whole year in triple a, he did start. It looks like in double a, mm-hmm. um, but he had a 9.44 K per nine, which isn't bad. Um, his walks were a little high at 4.57 per nine, but, uh, you know, the area was 3.69. The 4.11 FIP said he wasn't terribly like lucky, yeah. And uh, I don't I don't really know what to expect from him. I don't know if he's like a long term guy who's going to make it for a while in the big leagues or a guy who gets a cup of coffee and then has to find a different job. Um, but, yeah. you know, we're kind of near the bottom of the list here. So that that's the direction I went with him.
0: And that's that's just how the bullpen cookie crumbles around yeah. the, around Major League Baseball. Um for my number 14, I was I will admit I was surprised that you didn't have Jonathan Bolman
1: on your list. I do so, understand why. I I looked at Jonathan Bolin and I said he's a starter. Okay. I think of Jonathan Bolin as a starter. I think he's going to start the year in AAA as a starter and be a guy who can potentially step into the rotation due to injuries or ineffectiveness. I do not see him relieving for the big league team. Okay. So that that's why I left him off the list. Gotcha. Absolutely understandable. I
0: I put him as a reliever simply of how they used him in 2023, um, but that was like two two appearances. So that's hardly going to deem their course regarding Jonathan Bolin. Um, we were we were talking about James MacArthur raising his stock from where he went. I don't know of a guy whose stock has fallen more. Um, in the past probably two years than Jonathan Bolin. He was yeah. a part of that 2018 draft class. And as much as as much as we talk about how bad that draft class was for the Royals, Bolin just made his MLB debut at he was like almost twenty-seven when he made his debut. Um injuries had to do with that, but even when he was healthy on the mound at times, he wasn't he wasn't a lights out guy. He had plenty of struggles. He spent all of 2022 in Double A and started out there in 2023. Um, but like you said, he's been a starter in his minor league career. So I wouldn't be surprised to see him go back down to Triple A Omaha. And like like Serpa, I wouldn't be surprised if the Royals ended up DFAing him at at some point for another yeah. player. Um, so he is my number fourteen he's not on your list at all, making him the only um the only pitcher on the forty man roster that did not make your your list either way so i thought that was interesting, but it's hard to it's hard to fault you there
1: i also i wanted to uh, uh, with with Pennington and with this next guy i've got on my list i wanted to kind of highlight a couple guys yeah that um i think people aren't thinking about don't know about so you know when when pennington gets promoted i think he might make his debut this year Mm -hmm. at some point um they'll be like oh yeah i did hear about that guy i've i i am aware of him i'm excited now instead of being like who's that yeah that is uh, that's always the fun part about mlb debuts and
0: call-ups and stuff like that so in that same vein who is your number 15 and why
1: So my number 15, and I think like your number 15, probably won't see the big league roster this year. Yeah. Uh, I've got Eric. I don't know how to pronounce his last name. I'm going to say Sarantola. I believe that's how you say it. Yeah. Um, He is a right-handed reliever, 23 years old, 6'5", 225, another big boy. Uh, Throws it pretty hard. Fan graphs uh, has him with an above average fastball, an above average slider, Slightly above average changeup, no command. Yeah. Um, so that's what sort, uh, it's a reliever profile. Yeah. If you ask me, um, he started the year last year in high A, uh, and that's where he spent most of the year. He did get a chance to move up to double tr- A, where he actually made a couple starts, which is weird because he's not—he was not a starter in high no, A. It was, awesome. um, and so I think he's his future's probably as a reliever. Uh, The numbers at AA, even though it is, again, a small sample size, 14 innings, were eye-popping for me. Um, 12.21 K per nine, or uh, the way you like to look at it, 35.2 strikeout rate um, percentage there. Didn't walk a lot of guys actually once he got to trip uh, to double a 3.21 k uh, bb per nine. That's is good. not terrible, especially with that strikeout rate. So that's like a four to one almost strikeout to walk rate. That will play that will, um, play. and then he had a 1.93 era, a 2.48 fip. Again, it's a small sample size. Again, we're at the bottom of this list, and again, I just wanted to highlight a guy that like. Maybe you could get a little excited about him. Um, I will admit that I was kind of tipped off to him by our friends over at Farm to Fountains. Ah. They had a little uh, draft thing that they did where they were drafting top real prospects. Sarantola made that list. Oh, nice. Um, So I was like, okay, who's this guy? I got to look him up. And when I looked up the numbers, I was like, okay, I'm interested. Let's talk. <laughs> yeah. uh, so again, I do not believe we will see him pitch for the Royals in 2024. But I wouldn't be surprised if we saw him in 2025. And I wouldn't be surprised if he succeeded. There you go.
0: I like it. I like it. Yeah, same. I'm you, you absolutely got me right on in my number 15 spot. I just wanted to highlight a reliever out there. Um, I picked Cooper McKeon. He is, he's currently in high A, but I am looking mostly at his work in low A Columbia. Um, he, was, he was next level in Columbia, I will say. Granted, he's 22. That's just slightly above the average age there. Um, but he didn't start playing professional ball till 21. So he's, he's moving moving a little quicker. Um, he had eleven saves in thirty-one games for the Fireflies. Really, really good stuff. Um, you, you talked about the walk to strikeout rate. There, he had a five-point-three strikeout to walk rate, which yeah.
1: was great.
0: <laughs> now he did. He made a late-season jump up to high A. He got roughed up a little bit. That is that's understandable. But I golly, he was. I watched a few of his saves. There in Columbia, and he's got really good mound presence. Um, I feel like he is going to be a guy that more Royals fans should keep an eye out for in 2025, probably. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if he moves up into like a top 50 prospect role later on this year. But there were there were some other guys that I wanted to talk with you about who weren't on the list and why Um, Christian Chamberlain. Has made some some headlines this off season. are he pitched for the folks over at Tread and had some really unique metrics for them from the left side um, from spin and velocity and things like that. But I do I do want to say this about Christian Chamberlain. So it he takes the walk concerns to a whole new level. Jeremy, <laughs> he he's a 23 year old reliever in AAA, and he had a 12.95 K over nine and a 10.36 walk over nine last year. <laughs> the The control is is concerning to say the least. Um, his his 6.06 FIP is not what you want to see out of the bullpen either. I think that he has good stuff. I think that he has great stuff. But we need to see a little bit more control, and he is a non-roster invite, so we will we will be able to see some of that. Um, did you look at him at
1: all for your list, or no? I view him as another guy that I looked at, and I said he's a starter. I'm oh, not. Okay. I'm not considering him for this list. I will say, I,
0: for for a long time after the Royals traded for for him, um, I got him confused all the time with Chandler Champlain instead of christian chamberlain so chandler champlain is a is a starter is a starting pitcher and then christian is a relief pitcher and i got caught uh, mixing Wait, up okay
1: two. i maybe i got confused oh yeah christian <laughs> yeah. Ch- chamberlain
2: yeah you said? he's mm-hmm. and he's
1: a reliever he is a reliever. yeah i got it confused with chandler champlain i did not look at him uh but i i would have looked at those walk numbers like you said and i would have said eh. Go look for somebody else.
0: Yeah, yep. So that's why he missed mine. Um, interested to see veteran on a you know it's it seems like the Royals are always going to have some guys that you sign on minor league deals and they you know they pop up in majors again. Um, Dan Altavia should be someone interesting to watch. He's been out for a couple of seasons due to injury, so don't really know what the Royals are getting there. Someone that I've seen people either know who he is or just absolutely love him jonah depoto um is up there in triple a omaha has a, a pretty strong cult following if you follow if you uh have if you follow what i'm what i'm putting down there and the only knock on him is that folks you know knock him around a good amount his 21.6 home run did, to fly ball ratio is did absurd. You,
1: did you just say that the only downside to the pitcher was that he gives up a lot of hits?
0: Yeah. He does. Okay. Well, I, I mean, mean. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my goodness. I'm sorry. It, it is a Wednesday, y'all. I, I apologize there. <laughs> he,
1: no, he. I mean, the, whole, the only bad part is that he doesn't get out. It's fine. <laughs> Don't worry about it. <laughs> Don't worry about it, huh? Oh, my
0: goodness. I'm so sorry. <laughs> But, no, we, we talked about Alec Marsh's concerns giving
1: up home runs. Mm-hmm. And Tapoto okay, so has that. That's what you mean by knocked around is that yeah. he gives up home runs. When yeah. I think knocked around, I think just hits all over the place. <laughs> but, and lastly,
0: um, Preston Farover at Farm to Fountains talked about him earlier on this year. Andrew Hoffman is currently a starter who I think should move to the bullpen. Um, looking at some of his metrics on prospects live, he has some really good stuff. It's just he does have some control issues later on in games, and I am curious if the Royals will evaluate moving him to the bullpen. He is on their top thirty prospect list right now. I forget where where he ranks out though. He he has he has good stuff. Just man, oh man, sometimes it is hard to watch those those late inning. Um, appearances. I thought he was on the top thirty, but I, I must be mistaken. Um, Jeremy, any closing thoughts before we finish up on these rankings?
1: Ah, uh, no, not really. About the relievers, I did, I did. I'm gonna, I'm gonna steal the wheel here yeah, for a that's sec. Fine. That's fine. I did want to just kind of briefly, at least, get your thoughts because uh, I know my thoughts, and okay. I think I've shared them. But uh, I wanted to get your thoughts on kind of the rumors that are kind of like David Lesky's a little bit like they might sign someone. And and, uh, Max Reaper wrote for Royals review. I think this morning where he said, uh, you know, guys aren't signed. So they might, the Royals might be able to get a discount. Uh, Can they go out there and get anyone? I do want to note that like half of Max's list was like domestic abusers. And I'm just like, are there not other free agents out there? I thought there were at least a handful of guys who hadn't hit people (laughs) that would i think that's a good uh filter if you will
0: on your free agent options if they have or haven't committed domestic abuse or at least had um allegations as yeah um no it was so i remember lesky's piece for the most part was covering third base
1: specifically yeah that's that's where he thought that they would it would make the most sense for the royals to make a move And I I have argued the same point that I think Mikel Garcia has more value probably to some other team as a shortstop than he does to the Royals as a third baseman. And if they could go get a third baseman, I know um, I'm I'm stealing again, but uh, Lesky focused on Matt Chapman. Yeah. If you told me I could have Matt Chapman and Edward Cabrera instead of Michael Michael. Garcia, I'd probably do it. Yeah. I'm just saying, but uh, I would, I would too.
0: I really yeah. would. I love. I love Michael Garcia at, at third base. He made that transition seamlessly. But Matt Chapman is also an elite th- defensive third baseman. Um, the bat, you know, is, is a concern at times, but it's only a concern because of the money he's likely asking for. Um, I think Lesky and some other contract projections I've seen out there is like a, a five-year, one hundred million dollar deal for Chapman. And I just don't know if the Royals would go out and say, "Okay, we have a pretty solid infield.
1: Let's let's go out and spend that money." Yeah, I might not, I might not spend that much. I know I, I'm, I don't think I'm I big would. on the whole like I don't care how much money you spend because it's not mine. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think anybody who tries to argue that like, oh, that'll handicap the team, handicap the team's spending, like, you don't know. You don't know how much they can spend. You don't know how much they'll choose to spend. Um, So just like those kinds of projections are, I mean, they're silly enough in football where at least they have the salary cap. And Mm -hmm. then people are like, they don't have any salary cap room. And then they do like one extension. And suddenly they have 50 million in salary cap room. (laughs) It's just like, maybe you don't know as much as you think you do about this. There is, if baseball fans should have learned
0: anything from this off season, there's a lot you can do with manipulating how the money plays oh out in a contract <laughs> oh my gosh them. i don't um, think
1: anyone's taking deferred money from the royals and i don't think the royals are offering deferred money <laughs> because of the situations they're in but still absolutely it's and you know what
0: if if the royals go out and do some bargain bin shopping i'm not i'm not gonna be opposed to it um no. max talked about guys like jock peterson i i wouldn't mind bringing in jock peterson for spring training and see what he could do Sure, he's Uh, bargain
1: bin shopping, though.
0: Well, I mean, he's he's probably going to command like a like a one year, you know, four or five million dollar contract. I think that's all he's going to get. I I think so.
1: Well, I thought he was better. Hang on, I got to look him up again because I thought he was better than one year, five million last year. He's been very. You're saying one year, five million. You're saying he wasn't even as good as Hunter Renfro. uh, I I think he was better than Hunter Renfro. So I think I think think he's going to get more than that. But, I mean, I think it was better, but I also think the Royals overpaid Hunter Renfro. Well, there's, there's also that. Yeah.
0: Yeah, that is, uh, that's absolutely where, where I'm at. Max, also, I listen, Max, I, I love you, man. I could never see a world where the
1: Royals would go out and get Cody Bellinger. I oh man, I can never. He, see I mean, he admits head. that that's like a dream scenario. Like, no, this isn't happening. We can, we can dream and hope and pray and wish all we want. And I'm with him. I'm dreaming because like a center fielder who yeah. can hit, like you're going to drop your number nine hitter out of the lineup and replace him with Jock Peterson. That's yeah. – or excuse me, not Jock Peterson. I always get him and Cody <laughs> Bellinger confused. Mm-hmm. Uh, with Cody and Bellinger. Replace him with Cody Bellinger? Like, okay. Okay. Now you're going places, right? Uh, now your lineup is much better. Like, because uh, really, uh, the free agent signing is let's replace. Uh, as it looks right now, it looks like let's replace Freddie Fermin with Hunter Renfro. Mm-hmm. And unless Hunter Renfro bounces back to be like prime Hunter Renfro, and or Fermin falls apart from who he was last year, that's not much of an upgrade. No, may not it's be an upgrade not. at all. It it may not.
0: And I I am curious to see how Fermin does in 2024. He was falling off slowly but steadily as the season went along. He had a really hot start and then just kind of started tinkering off as the season went along. I personally, I think the Royals are done adding free agents to the 40 man roster right now. I I put together a piece talking about some minor league free agents that they could focus on guys that warrant a spring training invite, but not much more other than that. I, I don't know, just the, the Royals already outspent what they said they were going to spend this offseason. I, I understand that could be some grandstanding. That could be some, some strategic messaging, if you will, saying, oh, hey, we only said we're going to spend this amount of money, but look oh. at this. We went out and spent uh, way
1: more. I can't remember if it was Lesky or Craig Brown that said when they give you an amount they're going to spend, they're going to overspend it. That's <laughs> the minimum, because if you give an amount and you don't spend that much, then it's, everyone goes, why aren't you spending? It's, it's a big issue then.
0: Um, it's, it's hard to disagree with with Max, though, that if the Royals are going to splurge and spend money at a position, it should probably be in the outfield with like a, a franchise guy and you know cody bellinger's had his ups and downs but after his year in chicago it looks like he is going to cash in and be you know a franchise guy for someone now do those big money contracts always work out for position players nah, You you can have your your own opinions on that but i think the biggest thing that would keep the royals out of a out of the running for a bellinger or a chapman is both of them got qualifying offers yeah. so the royals would have to forfeit draft capital as well and when you're trying to rebuild the farm system that's not what you want to do get give up high high picks same thing with uh with blake snell i want to say josh kaiser was talking about him earlier on today like hey this is the dream free agent edition. add more to the rotation yes, um, we need another padre starter yeah <laughs> Don't you mean uh, another? We want to connect to the
1: whole set.
0: <laughs> we, we want all the Padres, and then we also want some some more Rays
1: connections, right? That's that's yeah. how it goes. We need Padres starters and and Rangers relievers, is what mm-hmm. we need. Apparently so. Apparently that's the uh, the recipe for success. And- I do I do want to throw out there uh, that boy someone. I'm pretty sure wrote at the beginning of the off season that we might see a decline in free agent spending this year. Oh, really? Someone did someone, I think someone wrote that and they said, that. Hey, interest rates are going up. Teams aren't going to want to spend on their rosters, but they can leave their money in the bank to collect interest someone did someone write that jacob do you remember
0: did someone like that vaguely you know vaguely it was it was probably for probably someone i haven't met and someone i don't speak to very often it's it's probably who it was
1: yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, <laughs> it was someone incredibly good looking oh yeah and uh and so smart and they <laughs> uh they probably like live on a yacht or something i don't know yeah
0: <laughs> yeah they, they they have to knowing that much about <laughs> about spending in a in a multi-billion dollar organization yeah they, they yeah. better be making some good money
1: yeah absolutely so uh that person i think was was very on the money it looks like right now obviously mm-hmm. there's still uh, a month or so of, of off season to go and people could sign during spring training but i think a lot of us I, even that person are probably surprised that guys like blake snell and Matt Chapman and Cody Bellinger are still looking for contracts. Yeah. And all the, all, all the joking aside,
0: Jeremy, Yeah, I, I mean, you wrote that in like early September, like yeah. it was, it, it was a while ago. Um, so good, good job on, on forecasting that. I mean, I,
1: I could still end up looking like an idiot. Then I mean, Cody Bellinger could sign for 500 million yeah. and all of a sudden it's like, mm, I'm going to go over there. Thank you. But, uh, it's uh, teams. It sure looks, even if they do spend the money, they don't, they're, they're hesitant. They're really going to do their due diligence. And they're really going to negotiate hard is what it looks like is happening. I don't, I don't recall this many
0: big fish free agents being available with a month out to spring training.
1: Yeah. It doesn't happen all that often. No, it it does. It does. I swear that I heard this happened a few years ago. Um, and then guys ended up signing, but it still ended up being a down year for free agent spending. Whereas we've been setting records for free agent spending the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. And I, I noted in a piece um, a couple weeks ago that the free agent spending to that point in the offseason was half of what it had been the offseason season before. Man. Uh, so they've got a good and, and, and half of that, was just Shohei Ohtani. Um, yeah, I bet you take the Dodgers out of the equation. How much has actually
0: been spent on yeah. the other teams?
1: So there's there's a there's a pretty a lot of work to be done if they want to even approach how much they spent on free agents last year.
0: For sure, and i I am curious if you know the the hit rate on free agents is is affecting that. It's seeming like. I don't, I don't know. Just looking at some of the big money contracts from from recent years, a guy like Chris Bryant comes to comes to mind. What what has he done to to warrant well, that, that was, contract?
1: Okay, Chris Bryant, I think, is an outlier from the beginning because why on earth did the Rockies want him? They weren't ready. They weren't like we're a Chris Bryant away from competing. <laughs> they it was just like why? What are you doing, Colorado? I mean, was- we complain about the way the Royals run their organization, at least we're not Rockies fans. Nope. Okay. We could be Rockies fans right now.
0: We are. We are just one state away from being Rockies fans. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Oh man. Oh man. Hey, listen, I know, I know our episode is, is running a little long, but I would be remiss if I didn't talk about the, the hall of fame stuff, man. Oh yeah, sure. That, hall of Fame. That happened. that happened. Yeah. That, that whole thing happened. So, all in all, if, if you haven't heard yet, Adrian Beltre, Todd Helton, speaking of Rockies, and former Royals killer Joe Maurer um, were elected to the Hall of Fame. I I was doing a little bit of research on Carlos Beltran, who he saw a big jump in his voting percentage, but he's still way short of the 75% threshold required.
1: Are you surprised by that at this point? Not it's really. You're on the ballot. I. It, it, when a guy whatever percentage a guy starts at it takes a while to build up it does not just immediately go from you know some some guys have gone from 20 to 75 percent over the course of their um eligibility Mm -hmm. but but nobody goes from 20 to 75 percent in a year and nobody was going to not vote for Beltron one year and go okay well he's served his time i'll put him in the hall of fame this year uh Craig Calcaterra had an interesting take where he thinks that a lot of people are struggling with the fact that they do want to put Beltron in but they have some cognitive dissonance about putting in Beltron when he cheated yeah. and not putting in all the PED guys um by the way i am an absolutely put the PED guys in there because peds might make you better they don't these guys were great regardless um so they were still worth having in there to Mm -hmm. my mind and there's a whole mlb encouraged it stuff we don't need to get into that anyway (laughs) i don't actually think that cognitive dissonance is a is a problem for people i do raise it because it's an interesting theory but i think the kind of people who are going to to say these guys deserve to be in and these guys don't aren't the kind of people who are, who are <laughs> uncomfortable drawing that line at PEDs and letting someone who banged on a trash can get in. Yeah. Um, and you, listen, he had the biggest jump
0: out of all the oh. folks on their second or later ballot. Um, he jumped 10.5%. I want to say it was. Um, so that was, that was pretty good. Of course,
1: we, we can't forget. Go ahead. Sorry. When you look at the trends, you can usually tell who's going to get in or not. Yeah. Even when they're not already elected, the trends suggest he will get in. Just not yet.
0: Yeah. Just, just not yet. I'd say, give him, give him about two more years. And I think,
1: Billy yeah. Wagner's probably, for example, if you want to look at the trends, Billy Wagner's probably getting in next year, uh, which is about time probably. So yeah, no doubt. good for him. Yeah. Um,
0: Unfortunately, there was a couple of former Royals who did fall off the ballot this year. Oh man! Oh yeah, no, I was I was really rooting for so, Jose Batista and James Shields to get
1: in to Cooperstown. James Shields got zero percent, yeah, of the vote. Even and Bartolo Colon got five votes. I mean, come on! I, I mean, Bartolo had a better career than James Shields. Uh, yeah. at me. Um, I love James Shields. James Shields reputation was bigger than his performance. The, the big thing though, is that like, which is worse, not being put on the hall of fame ballot or being put on and not a single person votes for you. I think I'd rather them just be like, yeah, you're not on. And then I could always tell myself, well, if I'd got on there, I would have gotten at least a few votes. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, that's, uh,
0: that doesn't speak well for, for his reputation amongst the writers either, because it's
1: well, go ahead. I mean, his, his reputation diminished once he left Kansas City and he, he bombed out in San Diego and Chicago. And then when you and then a few and this is why they have that five year period where you you don't go in as soon as you retire is because then like all that stuff kind of fades a little bit and they start mm-hmm. to look at the numbers and they looked at James Shields numbers and went, yeah, that's. It's not Hall of Fame, buddy. No, not not
0: even close. Unfortunately, I it's it's impossible to ignore that this this whole process seems like a lot of nowadays. It's about politicking after, oh, yeah. after a while. Um, you know, talking about those off field things and the and their moral fiber and stuff like that. It's yeah, I, same here, Jeremy. It just induces an eye an eye roll for me. Yeah, I was,
1: I, I rolled my eyes for those of you at home.
0: Yeah, I know. Uh, I know we're in audio only format, but that's never stopped us from having, you know, very expressive faces. You would be yeah. shocked. You'd be shocked with this video feed.
1: Not for and and that's it's not just because Jacob's not wearing a shirt. Wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> you mean your skin's not that color? <laughs>
0: um anyways it is it is that time for us to start wrapping this up it is time for the royals review reviews which i before we get to it i do want to shout out uh joshua briscoe of of all things um because i didn't realize on his show he had something called the shot clock which is where they basically do this but with uh but with a review um hmm. so I thought I thought that was kind of interesting but I can't put a cap like that on Jeremy, okay? He has to it is in I his contract. He has to have at least 6 minutes to talk about Marvel Midnight Suns and then he can give a review on top of that. That's usually how that
1: goes. Right Jeremy? Absolutely. Uh have is you finished that, Marvel Midnight Suns yet, Jacob? No, I have not. I have All not. Right. But you're still playing it, right? Every now
0: and then. All right. Good. So, hey if you don't mind what i'm gonna have you do is i'm gonna have you start off and then i'm gonna switch spots with kate who's gonna give
1: the who's gonna give the review for this week all right all right all right here we go um so i'm gonna give a recommendation that i might regret admitting that i've watched i don't know we'll see uh i watched the anime uzaki chan uzaki chan wants to hang out um, it's kind of a cute little slice of life thing. It is a little raunchy, especially at the beginning, of the first couple episodes, um, and then never entirely goes away, but it does kind of settled into this just cute little romance between Sakurai and Uzuki, um, and it's it's a lot of fun. I really enjoy it. It's just cute, and, and, and it makes me happy. It helps me relax when I watch an episode at night. Um, so if you're looking for something a little cute, you don't mind a little raunchy then uzaki chan uzaki chan wants to hang out katie is being assaulted by her dog so she can't talk i'm uh, i'll keep talking until well, katie starts talking no,
2: scout wanted to help with our review today because oh thanks watched, scout um she watched it with me so we are full into the oscars um nomination period season, season i guess uh we're into awards show season, so um, Oscar Doms came out on Tuesday morning, um, and I have a special poll that I'm going to be asking um, about in conjunction with that, but if you know me in real life, um, no you don't, but <laughs> <laughs> but I make a spreadsheet every single year um, of all the Oscar nominations, um, and where to watch them, and what categories they're nominated for, and if we have watched them. Um, And so we started ours last night and then I continued it this morning because Jacob um, goes through our spreadsheet and marks which ones he wants to watch with me and the rest I get to watch on my own. Um, So we watched two shorts um, for the documentary uh, short category that are nominated. One is available on Disney plus it is called the last repair shop. um, And it is about a group of um, people in the Los Angeles school district who, um, repair, uh, musical instruments that are provided at free of cost, um, to students in the area. And it was really beautiful because it focused not just like on what the shop does, but on the stories of the handful of people that are left that can repair these, um, instruments. So that was beautiful. It's about 40 minutes long. Um, please go watch it. And then this morning, um, I pulled up Paramount Plus and I watched another short documentary that is um, nominated called the ABCs of book banning. So um, they followed the topic that is very much a hot button issue in the U.S. right now um, of restricted, challenged and banned books um, in the public school system. And what they did is I'm assuming with parental permission, they provided age-appropriate banned, challenged, or restricted books to these children um, and allowed them to read them and then asked them to comment their thoughts on the books and thoughts on the fact that they were banned, etc. And that was kind of their focus is like, we've heard from the people who want them banned. We haven't heard from the kids. Um, So it is also beautifully, beautifully done. Um, And it was really made my heart sad because four or five of my favorite books are on that band list and not like To Kill a Mockingbird or such or things that you would ex- kind of expect that have shown up on the band list. But I'm talking The House on Mandro- Mango Street by Sandra, Sandra Cisneros. Um, I Am Not Your Perfect Mexican Daughter, Wicked by Gregory McGuire, um, which is adapted into the very famous musical um books like that (laughs) why why
1: bother banning that book at this point
2: well so the ban comes at least from what i can see they would show different um quotes from those books and there's a book about a quote in wicked about how women need cold cold hard anger and to know that they can never ever 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 back down and so it's like this this quote or this idea that women are powerful and you know, can hold anger and hold their ground is dangerous. Um, So those are two really beautiful, about 40 minutes each, short documentaries that are nominated for an Academy Award this year. And I really recommend if you've got the time, sit down and watch them. Um, They're both very popular uh, platform streaming platforms that a lot of people have access to. Um, Please sit down and watch the ABCs of book banning. And it was beautiful to hear from so many kids of like, I don't understand why you would want this band. Like, well, I'm just really curious. It's so sweet and innocent. Um, but general, just a good um, perspective, very much that hate and racism, etc., is taught. Kids have no idea of it. Um, so when they're handed things and they haven't been taught to hate and they haven't been taught that, um, you know, LGBTQ people are wrong for what, you know, who they love and who they are. Um, they genuinely don't understand why someone would want to ban a book like this. Um, And just they're frustrated because they can't find things that they want to read that they enjoy reading because they've banned so many books. Um, So that one is beautiful. And then The Last Repair Shop is just a really pretty story and some really cool people. Um, You know, we're talking, uh, I can't remember, Dana Peterson, who's like been around the world, played with Jimi Hendrix and, Elvis Presley, etc., had this $20 fiddle that has taken him around the world, and now he repairs um, those instruments for kids. And it ended with this beautiful shot of like the LA Symphony um, and showing s- so many kids that have come out of these programs who are now professional, world-acclaimed musicians. So please sit and watch them. Um, and my whole topic for you guys, Jacob, you're going to have to post this for me, is <clears throat> Barbie was like the movie of the year. And Ryan Gosling and America Ferrer secured nominations for Best Supporting Actor and Best Supporting Actress. However, Greta Gerwig was not nominated for best dire- for director um, for Barbie, and neither was Margot Robbie. Ra- oh, Margot Robbie? Yeah. Margot Robbie. Okay, I can't say words today. Um, she was not nominated for Best Actress, which is quite apropos for the message of that film. But um, if you haven't read it, go read Ryan Gosling's statement that he released criticizing the Academy for their failure to nominate either of those women and their work in that project. Um, But how do we feel like my, I was shocked and quite angry that they would have the audacity to snub them in that way. And to, In a sense, try and turn a blind eye to the work that they've done on that project and the impact that it's had. Um, So given that it is very much finding out, a man finding out uh, how the patriarchy works and women toppling it, uh, how do we feel about Greta Gerwig and Margot Robbie being uh, snubbed and not nominated for categories which they very much deserve? That's my question.
0: I like it. I like none. Like Jeremy, go ahead and get us out of here, man.
1: Uh, yep. So that's uh, that's gonna be the podcast. Uh, (laughs) This is not my usual job, so please until
2: next time, go Royals.